0: Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris, and we are investigating Angel here in downtown Los Angeles at the Central Library. That's right, we are back in LA. We had uh, we had an off week last week. We took it off to organize some stuff for the convention coming up, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. at the end of this uh, at the end of this session. But for right now, we got to close this library door, open up some files. We're diving into episode six of season one of Angel, Sense and Sensitivity. So, cue up the music, Jim. Hey, how's it going? So... Before we hop into this episode, which I love, it's one of my favorite Angel episodes. Yeah,
1: I really like it too.
0: Uh, let's do a quick catch up. How you doing? You know what? Feeling uh, extra sensitive. Oh, yeah?
1: For this sense Sensitivity <laughs> episode. And I'm not just saying that because it's relevant to the uh, topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the world is particularly prickly and ultimately feeling fine, but... Feeling extra sort of, I don't know, empathic to the things around me, but also just feeling my physical sensations in myself, just sort of like brain adrenaline kind of reorganizing itself
0: and it coursing through my veins. How are you feeling? Uh, similarly. How oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> For a frame of reference, we're actually shooting, uh, recording this session very close to the release time. Uh, and so a lot has happened in the yes. news that's really, yeah. I also feel like people, I feel like right now, anything, uh, and that's of course one of our famous low flyer Los Angeles planes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Popping in and out of a time portal from the 1940s, I want to say. I I hope so. Yeah. A time that, you know what, I'm glad I'd, I'd rather live now than then. Yeah. That's very true. Cause like <laughs> medicine and stuff like that. Yeah. Although I was like watching that thing about kidney dialysis and anyway, um, But, uh, yeah, so a lot has happened in the news, and I feel like people, like, are, we've just stopped having normal reactions to the news. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if Titanic happened now, people would be like, okay, cool, chill, chill, chill. (laughs) Like, that would be the reaction. I'm just like, yeah, but, like, not all boats think, so So maybe we shouldn't worry about it. Like, there wouldn't be, like, a movie in the future or anything. Titanic would happen, and people would just be like, yeah, okay, great, got it, got it. There might be
1: a, there might be, like, a TV movie about it.
0: I guess there'd be like, um like FX would have like a like a special, mm-hmm. or like American Horror Story would feature like a Titanic thing in the background or something like that, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, that was crazy mm-hmm. that yeah. that happened." It'd be like a cutaway joke for John Oliver. Yeah, yeah. We talk about the Titanic a lot. We do, and because what a horrible thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like I really. Oh my- wanna- <laughs> God, imagine being on that. <laughs> like In the freezing ocean, a boat sinking. Like t- when terrible things happen, I feel like we need to respond with feelings. <laughs> like the Titanic happened a long time ago. I'm not personally affected by the Titanic. I didn't know anyone that was on the Titanic, right? Like my family, yeah, mine neither. Wasn't really influenced by the Titanic. Still when I think about the Titanic and I hear about it, I'm just I'm kind of wrecked. <laughs> I'm like very yeah. emotionally torn uh about that situation. Yeah, it was the mother going to sleep with the children.
1: Remember in the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Can't, like...
0: Can't people just not have to breathe? That that would have been... Okay, I know that uh, this is kind of backfreading on our us talking about taking something seriously. But I wouldn't mind an alternative universe story about the Titanic where people just evolved. And they just were able to survive the cold and the... Water?
1: Yeah. The cold didn't bother them anyway? The cold didn't, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh my God, Elsa goes back in time and freezes the Titanic.
0: Time traveler Elsa is the Frozen sequel we've been hoping for. <laughs> frozen Fever is good and all. Yeah, not the Frozen uh, sequel we deserve. No. But definitely the
1: Frozen sequel we won't get.
0: What are the other, what are other t- places she would go to? I feel like there's like the Chicago Fire she'd yeah, put out. Yeah. Um. Maybe when Pompeii happened. Yeah, oh my god, can you imagine that? Of like, the sky's growing dark, and then... It's about then to
1: explode, and then she's just on the top, and she's just like... The
0: whoosh. cloud freezes. Oh, that would be amazing. Pompeii's another instance where I hear about it, and I'm just... I'm gutted. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to Pompeii? No, I've never been to Pompeii. I went to Pompeii,
1: and you're there, and you're like looking at these, you know preserved skeletons mm-hmm. from lava and you've just got like a man with pizza I'd be like, get your Pompeii pizza here, Pompeii Pizza Pepperoni. you are just like, okay, well t shirts. <laughs> it's like, oh man. The real place, I feel like maybe I've told this story on the podcast. If I haven't, I've told this story in my life. The real place you gotta go is Herculaneum. Because Herculaneum had a similar problem. Mm-hmm. It I think it maybe was in the same blast. Maybe not. You guys can Fact check me online. Fake news, alternative facts. Um, But Herculaneum is not as much of a tourist trap. Mm. So it's not swarmed, but it's like a preserved Roman city with like skeletons and stuff that was also coated in lava. Oh my god! And like
0: you walk around and it's like super eerie. It's crazy. Like we make these, and uh, like this same case with Titanic, I suppose, but like we make these movies about these like disasters. And I'm always like, yeah, but these are real people. Like... This is just, this looks to me like a Game of Thrones spit off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we have like, I don't know, yeah, disasters. Adversity and danger
1: make people draw people to them like, you know,
0: moths to the moth bar. Yep, to the moth bar where they serve moth teenies, moth
1: uh yeah all those nocturnal I mean, specials,
0: even stuff like
1: Angel and Buffy and Avengers and all that, they are stories of people overcoming adversity, and so I think people watch these things to feel like they're overcoming that adversity themselves.
0: that makes sense. actually, I was thinking, and this is this will fully tie it back into angel uh as we kick off this session uh that the first time i watched the first time I finished Angel, I remember thinking I'm exhausted from fights I was not a part of. <laughs> it was my first reaction to angel yeah i was like wow i feel like i lived a lifetime but i didn't i was at work at ucsb folding envelopes to send to people to ask for money um (laughs) so that was that's nuts uh but i wanted to make i wanted to just allow us to talk about our emotions and feelings about the world and, and disasters and history. Because that's really what this episode's about. It sense is. Sense and Sensitivity, mm-hmm. which is a play, of course, on the Jane Austen novel. Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the and is really that emphasized word in <laughs> that title. I don't know it why. It is. Sense and Sensibility. Well, she was on a big
1: kick of having two words that had alliterated words separated by an and.
0: Yeah, because like persuasion was just like too short. Well, like, pride and did, Prejudice. Yeah. Sense and Sensitivity.
1: Yeah. Hate and. Hungerability. Nope. Yep, hate and
0: hungerability. Yep. that's the <laughs> one of the less talked about Austin classics. It is. Yeah, it's though a, it had a
1: very very good movie that they made with Colin Firth. It was a Mister Darcy spinoff. Oh wow! Where he got divorced from Elizabeth, is that mm-hmm. name? I don't know. Really. <laughs> uh,
0: tool,
1: you can also check out our Jane Austen podcast. Yep, Jane in it. <laughs> 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 um. So this. Tim Minier wrote this episode. Tim Minier wrote this Tim episode. Minear. I never know how to say that.
0: I think it's Minier.
1: Tim Minier or Tim Minier, however you say it, who becomes a mainstay mm-hmm. of the Weedenverse. verse. Didn't write on Buffy. Mm.
0: Didn't he? No, he didn't
1: no at no. all. Okay, good. Didn't write on Buffy. Came on to Angel. Was huge on Angel, and then also was on Firefly. But yeah,
0: worked on Firefly. I remember that. Um, Tim's he he loves true crime. Mm-hmm. And he works on a lot of true crime. He also is a we just mentioned this as a joke, but he he also is very uh, uh, present in American Horror Story. okay. Uh, has a very big creative hand, especially in the early seasons of American Horror Story. and he is uh he is very interested in the crazy things that humans do and the the way that humans interact. And I think that's what's so fun about this episode is that the big bad is emotional repression, yeah. Um, or not even really emotional impression, but what happens when you allow that to all catch up. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these really cool angel, like Buffy angel, but I see it a little bit more in angel episodes, where you just take reality, and you change one thing, and it all falls apart. I feel like in Buffy, we change one thing to restructure the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what if the guy you were dating was a total ghoul? But literally, what if the guy you were dating was literally a ghoul? Right, like it's sort of like, that helps us just be like, let's talk about the original guy who's sort of a ghoul. Mm -hmm. Whereas an angel will change one thing and then it's just this giant implosion of humanity and this episode does such a good job of that. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't do uh, cram sessions in this, in investigating the angel, but in case you forgot, there's there's a rain stick that helps people come to terms of their feelings and it has to it takes place in um a police like precinct. Precinct. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh we're going to try to do it in the one sentence, which is Kate's father is retiring and a emotional sensitivity training guy comes to teach the cops how to be better feelers and in the process magically awakens their sensitivity and it causes them to become weakened and crazy and turn on each other and start attacking each other and angel needs to save the day it's such
0: a good idea that's how they always that angel saves the day yeah (laughs) until later it's like an angel fails to save the day (laughs) um (laughs) uh I love this I love this episode I love the idea of this episode mm-hmm. I love that it takes place in a, like a, a precinct I, I think that it's or as some people might call it, a cop office um, mm-hmm. I I feel like the way we present police officers in TV shows in media is so funny because it's like it, it's not haha funny but yeah it's totally ready for this take where it's people who aren't feeling their feelings and like they're almost like rewarded for packing it down. Mm -hmm. While I was driving here for us to record this, I was listening to KPCC, which is a a local radio station right here, has an ongoing series about cop-involved shootings uh, that they're doing right now. And I was just listening to a police officer who was involved in a police officer shooting, uh, just breaking down. She was the one who pulled the trigger and just her uh them like the detectives kind of investigating what happened her just crying and just breaking down and Mm. she was so afraid she was going to die from this woman who was just sitting on a couch and i think there's so much to be investigated there and so much to be looked into and i love that this episode kind of approaches the subject matter yeah uh because in i don't know i don't know about you but all the cop shows i've seen it's always been like hey when you're a cop you're in the family Right. And that's it. Like that's as emotional as I get. It's like they're as emotional with each with their family members as they are with like a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um and I like Kate. Yeah.
1: I didn't necessarily love Kate the first time I watched the series, and I remember for whatever reason registering her in my mind as something that didn't feel like it was that did she didn't fit in the Angel series? Mm-hmm. And she's so specific to Angel Season 1, and I enjoy the character. And our our friends over at Hellmouthy, I was listening to their coverage of this episode, they did not appreciate the, uh, did not like the chemistry between Angel and Kate. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I think that there isn't really, whereas... Generally in shows like this, there's this idea that whenever you present attractive figures together that they have to couple. Yeah. With Angel and Kate, it never really leaves the business world. They both really care about just their jobs and are both kind of equally emotionally removed in a way from In <laughs> hmm? Never Riverdales. In Ever Riverdales? Yes, in Never Riverdales. <laughs> and so the whole that scene with Kate and her father and him being awkward and like just completely being detached from her, it's like I felt for her in that. Yeah,
0: I think that's a it's a really great moment to give her as a character. Uh, no. Also, that moment, like that speech, and then her dad just being like, "Don't do that again," It's nuts. Yeah, it's I mean, like that
1: speech was wild. Yeah, I mean, it was clearly something was going on. Yeah, because that was, that was, that was really heavy stuff. I
0: got the same speech at my graduation.
1: Kate gave it to you? Yeah, Kate gave it to me.
0: (laughs) And afterwards, I was like, thank you so much. (laughs) It's a really nice speech. Very heartfelt. (laughs) Very well enunciated.
1: Yeah. But I think that the real thing everybody needs to talk about in this episode is the pain bow. Yep, the pain bow. (laughs) Oof. I think that that is the thing that I remember about this episode when I started it. I was like, oh, the
0: pain bow episode. Let's start a segment called the Hyperion Gift Shop. Okay. I'm not sure if it's a segment, but it's going to be an ongoing list.
1: Although Fini- we haven't gotten to the Hyperion Hotel yet.
0: Not yet. So this is but just it's planting there. a seed. Yeah. Um, but the uh Hyperion gift shop, the idea of this is that if there's something in Angel that we're like, why isn't this on Etsy? Why is not this become a thing that every Angel fan has? We'll just have an ongoing list and hopefully some folks out there in the universe can put this stuff together. True. I think... The pain bow is one of them. Yeah. The pain bow. <laughs> That's a great gift shop. Well, so yeah, so far it's just rain sticks. Okay, that bring
1: upon a flood of emotion. Yeah. That guy was weird.
0: Have you ever had to undergo like a sensitivity course or a, a motivational? I've I've been in several moti- like quasi motivational. Okay, first of all, let's be let's motivational is that a category? Or is that, uh like, is that an afterwards judgment? Because what if you go to a motivational speech and it's not motivational? Is that a motivational speech? No. Nope. Oh, it's not, right? So they can't say, I'm a motivational speaker unless they actually motivate you. Right. Like, that's up to you as the audience. It's not up to them. Mm-mm. Right? Yeah, they're just a speaker. Yeah. Because speaking is
1: technically just, you know, making sound. With your mouth. Yeah.
0: For the la, most la, part. La,
1: like I could go like this, la, 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 and that's speaking. You were a speaker, yeah. Yeah. But was I motivating you?
0: No. I mean, <laughs> not in any specific fashion, you know?
1: Yeah. my, uh, I've been in a similar situation with the talking stick stuff. You have? So, my improv group, Robot Teammate, who I don't believe listens to this podcast, <laughs> uh, but I won't focus anyone out, we do these... Where we've done in the past, these talking stick sessions where everybody... So it is pain bow. We totally pain bow. Yeah. Where everyone is kind of reaching a massive influx of discomfort. And so um, one of our members who is very into feeling and emotion and stuff wants us all to sit down. We do like some burning of sage and we sit down and everybody has to take turns and kind of just sort of express what they're feeling. And the whole point is, like, you're not supposed to... You're only supposed to make I statements. You're not supposed to, like, make any accusations. And so, that's the intention. Right. This one time we did it, a member who's no longer uh, in our group, they've since left the state and pursued a very different career. Um, He decided to get incredibly specific, and went around in a circle telling every individual at point-blank range exactly what he felt about them, and then that started everyone else doing the same, and it got a little weird. Got a little Katie. Yeah, it got got (laughs) super Katie. All of a sudden, we just cated hard against each other. There were tears, and I think it brought us closer together, but not necessarily in a good way
0: right i feel like that has to be managed specifically yes it has to be managed or it can just be like ugh. it's like let's all you know honesty is key what do you honestly think of me i think you're a terrible person great like no that doesn't, that's <laughs> like yeah, the d point is a little bit <laughs> off right the trajectory yeah no it is
1: wild so that i think and we've undergone that probably three times and after the last one we were like where it got incredibly the most katish of it all it was just like Let's not do this anymore. Right. This doesn't feel like it's being what we want it to do. But beyond that, I don't think I've ever been in a situation that was like a sensitivity talking stick thing.
0: I, in terms of talking stick stuff, I don't think so outside of maybe like family meetings, but I can't really recall those super well. Um, I was, I, I when I first moved to Los Angeles, my job uh, that I had was teaching after school science classes. Right, and so anytime you work with children, of course, teach them uh, science, all of it. Uh, We covered, I would say, most of it. (laughs) I was a little, I skipped a little bit around the Bernoulli stuff because it's just like you know hydrodynamics, water's wet, but (laughs) the water on the side of a tube is going to move a little bit slower than the water in the middle of the tube. You know, like it's not that big of a surprise. Um, So. Uh, <laughs> but I had to go um, get training for for safety. You have to get uh, a sort of, especially when you're teaching at religious schools, um, you have to get a certificate from the archdiocese that says like you're safe to teach children. And so, um, and this might be sort of a lot to drop if you're listening to this out loud at work or something like that. But in case, you know, you have to know the effects of, of uh, abuse and, and no. uh, unwarranted touching and stuff. So you don't do it. And so that was kind of like we went around in this circle uh, and talked a little bit. But someone in my group um, was uh, is still a survivor. And so that I think is probably the closest where it kind of shifted from like the instructor being like, let me tell you all this stuff to us kind of be just like an open conversation of us mm-hmm. just listening. Uh, so that's probably the closest I've gotten uh, to that. It's funny you say. Uh, sorry, this is reminding me. It's really something I've been thinking about, too. That's not really related specifically to feelings and stuff in the context of this episode but just i've been trying to figure out like myself and my identity in like the context of los angeles yeah everything and i find i'm starting to realize that there's lots of funny stuff that pops up uh for example like i don't really consider myself to be like indian like actively indian like my background my mom's from india my dad's from pakistan they met in england so like i'm I would say like I'm pro- like primarily American, secondarily British. Mm-hmm. Then after that I can like trickle back and I've got family in India and I've been back to Indian stuff. But I've been noticing more stuff of like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I am this is a little bit different for me. Like when people like burn sage and everything, like I've had people talk to me about like crystals and sage and stuff. Like, "Oh, you have to burn this in your house to like cleanse it." I'm like, "Oh, this is just incense." You just burning you burning incense? We do that every we just do that. Yeah. It's just a normal thing for us. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny when people like now for me like people will come up and like sort of christopher columbus this stuff that i realized has been going on in mm-hmm. my life the entire time or like you know an easy way to save money is lentils i'm like oh yeah a yeah, yeah, doll <laughs> we just yeah we do that yeah <laughs> we get it from food for less uh and so it's been something that i've been observing i've been trying to like track every time like something like that comes up uh-huh. where like i'll have people like one big one we is
1: burned that sage at the uh talking stick meeting There
0: it is, yeah. I burned incense
1: before you came over, but mostly because I didn't want
0: my house to smell weird. I mean, that's why we do. I mean, I think also that is. And I can't smell anymore. It's like you want to cleanse your space, but also make it smell good. But yeah, but like you are cleansing it of bad smells. Like that's that's the cleansing the incense is doing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's fun. And then also when people talk to me about chakras is like one of my favorite things too. I mean, I don't know a whole lot, but then I'll go home and ask my mom and she'll be like, no, that's all wrong. (laughs) whenever people talk to me about chakras I
1: tend to not think I go into this sort. I like to be very accepting of people's thoughts about different kinds of magic Mm -hmm. chakra is always the one that I'm always kind of there are some there was this one shaman um, woman that I met in New Hampshire Mm -hmm. and she was I liked what she said about chakras.
0: And this guy, by the way, uh uh Bell wielder is is a shaman, right? Isn't he isn't that established in the episode? Let me look him up. That's in his Redeemed.
1: Title. In Redeemed. Sorry, I didn't mean by to interrupt you, Lars but Pearson remember. and Krista Dixon.
0: Alan Lloyd
1: describes mm-hmm. himself as a polytheist whose emotional influencing spell owes his worship of multiple demons. This makes him roughly akin to ritualist Ethan Rain, who generally worships chaos with no particular affiliation. He lives at 322 Fletcher. So if you want to send him requests to come and make your organization and/or group and/or company feel
0: a little bit more emotional, you can't because yeah. he's dead. Yeah. Wait, did he get killed? I forget. Well, it's. I mean, I also think that at this point it wouldn't be a good idea to. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe don't go to down. get him
0: for corporate events. Mm-hmm. We've seen what he does. Mm-hmm.
1: Although Trevor, um, was Trevor Lockley the, oh, oh, that was the the dad. So So anyhow, you met
0: a shaman in New Hampshire.
1: Yes, I went to her and I got like a crystal session and you feel it. Mm -hmm. I mean, something's going on. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, there's some kind of magnetic energy that's being tweaked with and I could feel my body changing. And at first it felt great and then it felt weird. Mm -hmm. And for like a period of almost like four months, I felt like, my head was being squeezed at all times to the point that I like looked it up online and it was like, "You're dying." No, um, and then <laughs> a friend of mine who was a super duper Catholic told me that he believed that I had become uh, attacked by a demon. Sure. Been subject sure. to demon attack, and then I was like, "Oh god." Um, but yeah. So generally, sometimes whenever I hear people kind of when they really casual chakra, mm-hmm. I just think it's a little
0: off-putting here's what's interesting to me and this is not an attack on any specific culture or region this is just in general this is like my like said like herman s rant. ran um when okay so to me as someone who's like super 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 witchy it's always like weird to me that like we i feel like this stuff is a reaction to the very institutionalized forms of major organized religions. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, whoa, this got really complicated. A lot of this is in writing. A lot of this is in libraries. People can't access. Let's go back to nature. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this, there's this, I like uh, in culture theory, like structuralism, right? Like there's a structure of nature. Let's go back to that. Let's base everything off of this structure of nature. And so that like, to me, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's it. Like, let's just take a step back from all the books, all the stuff. No one's an expert. Like, if, we are gonna, if the role of religion or spirituality is to put yourself in context and you want to put yourself in context of the cosmos, then you just let it happen. And you mm-hmm. just go like, great, that's it. Like, that's a very religious experience. It always wigs me out when people are like, well, I'm sort of, I've done this a little bit longer, so I think I know a little bit more. And it's like... Oh, and we're right back. Yeah. <laughs> we're right back to the thing that we ever like, we said was the problem. Where it's like, yeah. well, I've read a few more books on this. It's like, it's not about the books. It's about, yeah. like, you going out. Like, there can't be a right answer because it's too big for any of our human brains.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Like, uh, Nichiren Dai Shonen, uh, the uh, Buddhist monk, he would say he was exiled because his style of practice was if anyone claimed any kind of spiritual um, sovereignty or superiority, that you are to immediately shun that person. Mm-hmm. And that priesthood as a nature should not even exist. That all living things are fully equal in the eyes of the Yeah, there's law. no hierarchy. No hierarchy. That's yeah, I
0: completely feel... I mean, not to talk down to any religion that falls under hierarchy but for me personally or at least if the argument is we're getting away from the hierarchy of the old world and let's just accept nature and then the hierarchy starts to build in that i'm like ah oh, this is a cult yeah yeah <laughs> this is starting to feel a lot like a cult it's all it's all cult it's all cult it's all cult which is Buddhism is cult yeah. going to WhedonCon is cultish it's all cults. I guess if I have to choose a cult, I'm going to go to the one that's got a boss panel on Saturday <laughs> at 11.30 a.m. Um,
1: with a great graphic.
0: And with a great, Two great cool graphic. logos that are mashed up. And they work very well together. They do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in this episode, they
1: go to the docks. Well, yeah, so Angel has his Sopranos moment where Bobby Bacala from <laughs> the Sopranos is in the episode. <laughs> And he's making believe that he's, what, a man from, what was it, Florida, Kentucky?
0: Well, I think it's Florida.
1: Yeah, and he's like trying to get a ride. Yeah. Get out of here, buster. I love it. And then Angel just like fights them. He's like, just
0: kidding. I don't wear Hawaiian shirts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a toy of Angel in that Hawaiian shirt. Oh, you do? Yeah. That's great. And I also have one of Spike in his Hawaiian shirt from Doomed, which we have yet to get to. Yeah. Spoiler alert, at one point Spike wears a Hawaiian shirt. That's not a huge spoiler. I don't it? think so. I don't think it's a spoiler. It's in toy form.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's in toy if it's in toy form, it's out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but really quickly before we get off the subject of toys, there are uh toys of the famous Cars of Buffy. And I found them in mm-hmm. Burbank and I was like, I don't have enough money to buy these right now. And was eat like Giles at the Giles car? Time. One was Giles's can you guess the other? Uh Z- Xander's car from the Zeppo? No. Good guess, though. Angel's it's, car? Yep, exactly. You the, got the him. The convertible? Yep. The one that he,
1: like, mistakenly jumps into a different car of in the first episode? Yep. Great.
0: Uh, So they go to the docks. I feel like this is, like, this is a Sunnydale move. I feel like it's a long drive to go from downtown to the docks. I mean, I guess if it's, like, 2 a.m., you could probably make it in half an hour. Yeah, I but think so.
1: still. I mean, you know. Half an hour is not that much time in the life the, of a detective. I guess that's true. What do you think Angel's gonna be like,
0: mm, well, I was gonna there's binge crime watch happening. New Black. <laughs> yeah. But Master of is on. <laughs> Waze is saying it's gonna be 40 minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think he would go. Yeah? Yeah. That's my take on it. And then uh Wolfram and Hart... I liked the Wolfram and Hart's presence in this episode. So
0: there, it, this is the first time really we've had them like in, in. To my memory, It's, it's right? the first time that we've seen their reach again.
1: Yeah. And then going beyond like a demonic client. But that Wolfram and Hart represents many different people of sketchy persuasions in different dimensions. And in this case, kind of like a mobster dude. Yeah. And then they instantly just cut ties with him when he becomes too much and then that moment of like our priorities have shifted and they've got that freeze frame of angel
0: that's cool um I mentioned Riverdale earlier did you know that Riverdale has a bunch of angel references I did not I haven't watched it oh man you're gonna love it I love it is it great it's so good how do I see it online CW CW yeah you can go to the CW Seed I don't know if the Seed actually has it Seed has a bunch of old shows like 666 Park Avenue remember that show with John Locke from Lost no, I don't. Where it was like, 9, it was 999 Park Avenue. And then it flipped over. and then it was like, the devil oh, it's 666. 6, 6, and he's the devil. And it's like, it's the last place you'll ever live. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pitch. It is. It's a good pitch. It is. Devil stuff is scary. And then Hellcats was another show. Do you remember Hellcats? What? the cheerleading show. No. Tisdale was in it. Were they from hell? Uh, no. Oh my God, there should be a crossover with Park Avenue. <laughs> that would be great. The cheerleaders of hell.
1: Are these like past CW shows
0: that no yeah. longer exist? Yeah, long ago. Make it? They blew the dust off of the film strips. Mm. Actually, they might have literally done that. And then put it online for you to see. I wish I could just download all these into my, like, Matrix them. Yeah, I wish I didn't have to watch them all. What a weird future that's going to be when we can do that. You know what? I want to catch up on this show. Boop. Got done. Done.
1: It. It's in my head. So wait, The Flash was, you knew that Internal Affairs was setting him up the whole time? <laughs>
0: Um, The cops all lose their minds when their feelings are unlocked. Yeah, that was wild. Do you... (laughs) That was like the end of like a Buckaroo Banzai sequel. Well, damn.
1: (laughs) These darn police are hooting too.
0: (laughs) Do you think that would happen? Yes. I think
1: that in order to work in... Fields like law enforcement or in the armed services, a certain amount of emotional control must be implemented. And oftentimes, emotional control comes from emotional desensitization. So, I think that my view is that society as a whole even on a normal day-to-day, is constantly emotionally repressing themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that we are a species that are animals trying to forget that we are, and that everyone is trying to act all proper and eloquent. And so for people who are dealing with life and death situations, to, to see things... I mean, it's a, you have to have a certain amount of emotional understanding because you have to know how people who are how potentially dangerous people are going to react, but also at the same time, you can't let your emotions completely floor you to the point that you're ineffective. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I do think that, especially when things are repressed for a while, when it does come out, it comes out like a,
0: like a fountain. What do you think? I agree. I'm thinking about, so let's just, I mean, what I love about this podcast is also, this is one of those, this is a, a place, a thing we can and use to talk about our feelings and to be, cause we all just like know that it's a safe space cause we all love Buffy mm-hmm. uh, and, and Angel shows. And then it's like, all right, now we get to just like open up about our life. And that's why this podcast exists. We take episodes of Buffy and Angel and then use them to talk about life things. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's great. Cause I feel like we get to just like let the steam off. Through the podcast and like talking about this stuff, and this isn't just for you and me yeah. on the microphone right now. This is yeah. just for all of us in general, mm-hmm. um, and you, the listener, right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like lots of people in the in the sort of Sunnydale community, um, the Greater Buffy diaspora, if you will. Uh, I will, and I think that in the last year, we definitely saw something similar, where to this episode, where people's feelings were starting to get opened up and because it wasn't professionally handled that it turned into a huge mess it turned into a huge violent mess um i remember i remember one of my film professors was talking about the the nicholas cage film after 9-11 uh what was it called Was it called twin towers it was called World Trade Center. World Trade Center, that was it. Yeah, World Trade Center with Nicolas Cage. And I remember him saying, like, this isn't a good idea for them to make this movie so soon. We need to emotionally react before we have artifacts that we cling on to because that shuts off our reactions. Because we need to, like, not have a thing to, like, latch on to. It's like the idea of, like, if a boat sinks and, like, you're just floating in the water and, like, you, we need to figure out how we're all going to be okay. And then a piece of wood comes and everyone's clamoring to get on the piece mm-hmm. of wood that might not even hold everyone. Right. It's like that's happening emotionally where it's like, no, 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 let's figure out how we can all link together and get to a safety device. Uh, and I think that with all the anger and vitriol and fear that happened with you know, people attacking different candidates and stuff like that last year with their presidential election... It was so obvious that there's so much emotional repression going mm-hmm. on. And it's kind of crazy because I'm like, everyone should just feel everything. But seeing how people felt and responded, I was like, okay, maybe we should have a different approach to all of this. Yeah. Uh, I forget what newspaper it was, but it was, there was a newspaper that was uh, saying that, like, uh, according to like a, a survey they did, a lot of Trump support came from a fear of diversity. Yeah. And then the response I saw on Twitter that someone was like, it's racism. It's called racism. (laughs) It's always been called that. Yeah. And so um, I think it's very interesting that, like, right now, I feel like in our cultural experience, there's so much fear. I'm not even sure if people know what they're afraid of specifically. I think there's names and labels we're throwing on, but I don't think, like, for example, I think, like, if we said, like, if I say I'm afraid of ISIS, in my head, I just picture some, like, character from the first iron man movie like i'm not even sure exactly specifically Mm -hmm. what i'm afraid of you know and that is more terrifying like Foucault has a thing where it's like it's scarier to be afraid of fear or the 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 fear of fear itself or the fear of a threat than the threat because then you can deal with the threat Mm -hmm. if you like see a threat coming to you you can deal with it but if you're like don't go in the ocean there might be a shark then you have a fear of there might being mm-hmm. a thing, and then your imagination fills that in. Mm-hmm.
1: Or if you're in Long Beach and you're a paddleboarder, then it's literally... Get to shore yeah. There are 15 great white <laughs> sharks in the water. Yeah. Did you see that video? Anyway, but yeah. No, I think that's, a, that's important. And I think that the fear was perpetuated by the fact that we're more interconnected on technological devices than any point in history. And it's so interesting that the... Everyone's kind of experiencing. Everyone's experiencing mm-hmm. it. Not. I think that even people who don't necessarily have access to technological devices. I mean, I can't speak to this, but I think that for the majority of, mm, I'm making too many generally sweeping statements. Much of society—that's mm-hmm. a broad enough term—is more connected into this. Twitter, Facebook sphere, and I think that it's actually
0: harming the psyche of the culture. Here's what I, here's my question about this. Is do we, and I know this is like not, <laughs> I'm gonna talk about statistics for a second. Please, I don't have any. <laughs> this is not this is <laughs> much, much. The fun, many, jokey part. I think. um, Because it feels that way to me, but I don't have any evidence to back it up, Right. And I talk to my parents and they're, my mom's on Twitter, but they don't get any information really from the internet. They get information from like, you know, mass media news and like CNN mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which is, has its own stuff that we can talk about. It's always integrated now into it's, that. Yeah. I guess I wonder. It's become like an extension of the social media. Because like, I guess I'm curious about the actual scientific or social scientific stance on that. Like, where, like, how much has it changed the actual language? Like, I could postulate that now we think in shorter terms, logically, to fit that onto Twitter for those Mm -hmm. of us who are on it. I've noticed my own brain, will instantly, if I see something, I'll frame the argument in a way that I can, quote, tweet it, Mm -hmm. in a way. Even if I'm not on Twitter at the moment, like, someone will say something, and I'll think of, like, how can I then draw a box around that? and then make an ironic statement to reflectively like negate that statement. Yeah. But that's not how my brain worked ten years ago. Ten years ago, it would be like, let me sit down, explain your argument, open it up, tell you exactly what you were coming to you know, how Mm -hmm. you were coming to that conclusion and originally where you're coming from, how that's wrong. But now I'm just like, I quote this guy says this thing. I say this thing, Spongebob meme. Like that's how like my brain is like functioning now. That's wild. Um, but SpongeBob. so I can say from like a personal perspective um but I would be very curious to see like I don't know like this is the thing that pops up all the time and I know there's been like a lot of like attacking millennial stuff like that article that was like uh millennials are killing department stores and then you read the article and it says department stores are killing themselves I'm like okay are they owned by millennials like, <laughs> how is it how does this make any sense Millennial
1: is uh, a weirdly used word
0: it is it is also especially because now it's being I feel like lots of people are leaking it into Gen Z, which is a different generation, so then is that the like, generation below us yeah, we are
1: millennials, correct? I
0: believe so I don't remember the exact cutoff I want to say it's around 86 87
1: I believe okay. it might
0: be even earlier than that, but I believe it's around there okay yeah i'm 87 yeah You're,
1: what 89
0: no i'm 88 88 yeah okay so it's I think we're like cusp. We're cusps. (laughs) Because the original, I remember also there was like a conversation where I was like, if you were, if the internet was something you were, if you were born before the internet, that's a generational divide. Which we were. Yeah, we were. I remember my dad being very upset because he was just like, what website do you want to go to? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what website is. Mm -hmm. I remember the first thing that I thought I
1: found inappropriate on the internet, and it wasn't that big a deal was in third grade, we were on the computer, and my friends and I found an autograph from Alanis Morissette, a picture of Mm -hmm. an autograph by Alanis Morissette, and she wrote the word, damn. And I said to my friends, guys, I don't think we should be looking at this. (laughs) (laughs) Shut it down. (laughs) And my friend Sam was like, dude, stop being such a wuss. (laughs) He was wrong, which is what a lot of people say to me. (laughs) because i am very sensitive and on the nose about my emotions usually
0: but as we learn in this episode maybe it's better to be just in touch with your feelings i don't know do we really love this episode i think i think a a, a takeaway is it's good to be honest about your feelings the entire time Mm -hmm. and not have them locked up because then when they get out it's going to be crazy it's going to be like a jekyll and hyde situation exactly
1: And Angel's a very interesting example of that and it's like very minorly represented by like the Cordy and Angel like, what, C-plot? Yeah. Or maybe it's even a B-plot, I don't know, in this episode where Cordelia is feeling like Angel isn't appreciating the work that they're doing. Yeah. And he is, but the moment that he, he's perceptive though because I feel like the moment he realizes that she's even kind of implying that, he very, very quickly is like, um, sorry, I just got distracted because I realized that my adventures poster has like someone wrote like a weird message. That's kind of terrifying.
0: It's actually on just on your frame.
1: Oh, they yeah, wrote yeah, yeah, it yeah. on your frame. Softer than you ever thought, sweeter than you ever imagined. Jesus, that's we're like gonna a take a picture ghost. of this and post it. <laughs> that's like a weird ghost thing. Sorry, guys, I was talking. I have uh, two posters on my wall, the original comic of the Avengers and then the Joss Whedon directed film poster. And the frame that I have for the other one, the light that I see right now has a kind of ominous, looks like a ghost wrote it message on it. Anyway, of really creepy terms. Uh, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So the minute that Angel kind of realizes that she's feeling that way, he tries to address it almost instantly. Yeah. 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 Whether or not he does, mm-hmm. I think that she feels better about it. This was a, this was like a, this is a full on Kate episode. Yeah, I would agree. I know we've talked about Kate a lot, but it's like, we haven't really had a Doyle episode yet. No, not yet. We've had a Cordy episode. Yeah. And I would say that she sort of shared the first episode. Yeah. But Room with the View was the first, like, this is a Cordy episode. Yeah. Um, whereas, Kate gets an episode before Doyle does. Yeah. Though the next episode is a, for sure, Doyle, Doyle episode. episode.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think it's great because... We needed something very interesting. There was something very interesting about Kate. And I feel like the performance is, I, I think it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. And we knew that there was a lot going on. And I'm so glad. And this is thing I love about Joss Whedon Properties is that everyone has a very rich backstory. And that's not to say, because that was funny when people say, like, oh, you know, strong characters, they have to be tough. It's like, no, 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 that's not, I think you got it wrong. We want to find out, like, we want them to be full human beings, Full characters, not just like props that we can move around that influence the story. Because it also allows a TV show to just get its legs. Mm -hmm. If you have real characters, they can do... The show can go on for forever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to chase a plot. You know, all of a sudden in Philadelphia has these crazy zany characters with very distinct perspectives from each other. That show could could never end. If they George Lucas scan their faces in and then just have people playing... These characters until the end of time, yeah. Like you know, a la beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy two sort of stuff. Totally. I don't think that was a spoiler. No, I don't think so. That was so ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: no. I, I'm not even sure I know what you meant. Okay, I saw it.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, I think that yeah, I. Oh, I get it. Oh, what I was referring yeah. to. But I love that. I love that we get that with Kate finally, mm-hmm. and I think we needed it, and we need it because we need to know. What's going on with this outside of Angel's team person? Mhm. So.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh all right. So um any further any last thoughts on the episode before we have to before we get caught?
0: Before we we get caught before they break back into the library which is owned by them. So really we're the intruders. Yeah. Uh I guess I have a quick question. Then we'll do our LA lessons. Mm-hmm. Then we'll play the music out as we run runaway. And then we'll get to your homework, which you need to do a big catch up on. Yes. But before that, uh, I just want to ask you, if you could have a totem. Actually, you know, I should save this for the homework. That's a good homework question. Okay. Oh, will save, save that. it, yeah. But before we head on out, I guess I would just ask you, what would be like your... What would be your biggest emotional re- like this is my maybe you're gonna get out of your comfort zone asking answering yeah. this? What would be your biggest emotional like uh you know how and after this episode everyone's like, whoa, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What would be like your emotional hangover?
1: I feel like I go through periodic table uh periodic tables.
0: I, <laughs> I, I go like through periodic like tables all the time. I'm just blowing through them. Helium like, doesn't belong there, it's at the bottom. <laughs> Delight. It's a light element, guys. You put it at the top because it floats. <laughs> Omar, science class. <laughs> I'd take it.
1: I'd have trouble paying attention, but not because you're not a good teacher, but because I just have trouble paying attention in general. Um, I, I go through periods of kind of just dumping all my stuff onto individuals that mm-hmm. I feel like need to know or don't understand. Sometimes I feel like there are a select there's a select group of individuals in my life who I care about a lot who provide the most discomfort for me and i'm sure i do the same for them and sometimes i feel like they don't understand the effect that they're having sure and that if they did it's almost kind of like in a position where they have a little bit more of a like they have a little bit less stake i assume mm-hmm. in the relationship and so when my emotions are tugged or twisted by the reaction that i'm having i would just you know want to know like what is in for the people who confuse me the most just be like what is actually inside your head
0: that would be your, and yeah. you'd regret, like, get diving so deep into Dive that deep, after find you got... out,
1: because you know what? I probably, and usually this is the case, when I do try to figure that stuff out, the answer is not
0: necessarily healing. Sometimes it is, mm-hmm.
1: but sometimes it's not.
0: Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I might end up hurting more than helping. Yeah. It might be,
1: or I might be able to be like, you know what? It's probably what I guessed. Mm-hmm. And that by bringing it to the surface, now there's distance. Now it's there. Yeah, now it's makes there. Sense. And rather than just kind of following the joy of life, right? The etiquette have, of politeness. Yeah, things have become tough.
0: I feel like I'd be on the other side of that, where I would, I get very Sherlocky about stuff, mm-hmm. and I feel like if I didn't have any like super ego holding me back, I would probably end up like psychoanalyzing people. To their faces. Yeah. But like not being kind <laughs> or helpful about it. Right. Of just being like, clearly your parents' divorce hit you very hard. And so you're reaching out and trying to form relationships with other people to fill that void. Because, you know, so I would just like yeah. go off and like <laughs> go down that path. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that would be my, like I'd wake up in the morning and be mm-hmm. like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't useful. I'm not a therapist. Yeah. You'd be a sidewalk shrink. I'd be a sidewalk shrink. Is shrink a fine term to use? I think so. It can't be racist. I
1: don't think so. Yeah, it's not. It's maybe like an insensitive old
0: term. Like, I don't therapists. think people get in trouble for saying, like, quoting Jurassic Park when like, the blood sucking lawyer. You know, right, right, so right. I, okay, I'm yeah. sure. Like, like, yeah. That could be helpful. Although, props to the ACLU for turning around lawyer stigma. Now, everyone loves lawyers. hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of them. That's true. I mean, Wolfman Hart. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Oh, actually, Wolfram Heart's probably at play right now, to be Mm -hmm. honest. All right, that is our first bell, which means we got to get going in a sec. But before we do and before we rush out and say goodbye to the dentist that's living here in the library, that's right. And possibly also... Writing notes on your (laughs) picture frame. Uh, We have to do our LA lessons. So really quickly, Chris, what's your LA takeaway? My LA takeaway is... If you want to get
1: to the docks to take a boat to somewhere far, far away, maybe just take a plane, mm-hmm. because there's mobsters on the dock. Actually, maybe that's not my lesson. <laughs> but that's one of them. My LA lesson, the second LA lesson is, if you really, really want to know what somebody's thinking about you, ask yourself first why it matters to you. Ooh, that's good. That's good. And yours? What's your Omar? What's your uh, Omar mm-hmm. lesson? What's your LA lesson, Omar?
0: My LA specific takeaway is yeah, if you gotta go to the docks, go at night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take that.
0: Or or if or if you if you gotta get locked up for any reason, do it while there's a sensitivity training going on at the LAPD. Just figure out their schedule. <laughs> it's posted online, and then. That's, that's around the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. That moment. This is making them worse than when they came <laughs> in here.
0: <laughs> it's our legal system summarized yeah. in one reaction. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. <sighs> All right. And that's our final bell, which means we got to skidat because they are opening the doors that we closed and put chairs up on the doorknobs. So, uh, We only have a little bit of time. Chris, where can they find you? Hey, guys. My name is Chris Promonti.
1: You can find me as Amontiak on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find me as Amontiak the Wizard on Hyper RPG on Wednesdays at noon with the show Hyper Quest. And then Thursdays at 6.30 on The Gauntlet. You can find me with musical improv group Robot Teammate. We're performing a new written musical called Turbulence, the Hollywood Fringe Festival, and we perform every Friday on the Geek & Sundry Twitch stream during the Gather Your Party show. Uh, and then, of course, you can find Omar and I at WeedonCon, which I'm sure he'll say a
0: little bit about when I toss it over to him. Omar, where can they find you? You can find me at Omar Najam on Twitter. Also, I am hosting Nerdy Worms. A new prompt is going to go up tomorrow. We had one prompt go up two weeks ago and people knocked it out of the park. Everyone's making these amazing movies. I'm so excited about that. Uh, I'm very, very passionate about this project. So I'm very happy that people are involved in getting something out of it. So you can check that out on Two Broke Geeks. Again, that's YouTube.com slash Two Broke Geeks. And I also have an improv team, Swimming Lessons. You can find us on Swimming Lessons Improv on Facebook. We perform every odd Friday, the odd Fridays of the month at the clubhouse at 8 p.m. It's a free show. You can come check it out. And we're also at UCB Sunset the second Thursday of every month. And that's also a free show. We only do free shows. Uh, so please come on down. Again, that's uh, uh, Swimming Lessons Improv on Facebook if you want to find that. And as always, you can check out anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast. Again, that's at SSG Podcast. As well as Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Sunnydale Study Group on Instagram. We will be in person on a panel hosting Hell mouthy at WeedonCon this upcoming weekend. That's May 20th?
1: May 20th. At
0: 11.30 a.m. Yes. It's going to be a great discussion. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be there hanging out. We've got some other surprises throughout the day, so please drop on by if you're going to be at WeedonCon. We'd love to say hi to you. We're also yes. going to be recording some stuff so you can even hear your voice in the podcast if you're there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to
1: have a special hello video from Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Uh, they are in Wisconsin right now where they host a camp that helps LGBTQ youth. And those, they are just amazing. The hosts yeah. of Buffering the Vampire Slayer are incredible. If you don't listen to their podcast, absolutely go check it do out. Do it. And if you are someone who has any kind of music streaming service, look up Buffering the Vampire Slayer because they do a song for every single episode of the show. Uh,
0: Jenny sings the song. She's an incredible musician, and every song is awesome. That is, it is so great. So please check them out. If you're at Whedon Con, drop on by. And if you are on Twitter, we want you to send us your homework. After the music, by the way, we will be reading homework, so stick around for that. But right now, we have a homework assignment for you, for Investigating Angel, which is if you had your own totem that would open up people's feelings, like Painbow, what would it be? What would be your totem that you could go and just hand to people and suddenly they're free of all (laughs) controlling forces of their brain? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And their emotions are out in the open. So go ahead and send those to us at SSG Podcast. Hashtag SSG Homework. All right, that's pretty much it. Next week, we will be not back in Sunnydale because we'll be putting up our stuff from the con, So we'll mm-hmm. be over in the valley. <laughs> uh, so we won't be traveling too far from downtown Los Angeles. But then after that, we'll be back in Sunnydale. And then we've got a few LA Sunnydale crossovers that will be happening. So please stick around for that. We've got some great episodes coming up. We've got some wonderful discussions and some really, really great guests we're glad to have and have back. Mm-hmm. So guys, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you at Whedon Con. Folks, it's been a little bit of time, so we're going to quickly catch up on everyone's homework. We got some great responses. At one point, we asked you guys, what would your P.I. name or persona be? We got a great answer.
1: Yes, we did. Now, Scott, you had a wonderful answer, one that I did not expect, and brought back some great memories, which was, you said that if you were a P.I., you would use this classic, and you said you would be Chevy Chase from Fletch. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Have you seen Fletch?
1: Ages ago. Oh, yeah. I feel like we have to I do I think I like, rented it on VHS. We have to do like a Spies
0: and Like a Fletch Fletch... Co- podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why not? we just Why go not? minute by minute? A mm-hmm. uh I feel like nowadays that wouldn't be an insane thing to do. No. I feel like two years ago that like you're a crazy person. Now people are like, oh, that sounds great. Oh, you have a Fletch podcast? Let me, let me know when to follow. <laughs> are you on the podcast, too. <laughs> we watch it backwards to, to yeah. Oh, you guys are just starting your Fledge podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We also asked about your guys' ghost stories and Pi Day Cosplay, uh, that has a podcast, The Pi Cast, actually talked about there. So go check out the podcast, listen to their episode, Pi Episode 2, Halloween, and this is when they discuss their ghost story mm. of a ghost in their house, which mm-hmm. is uh, nuts. It's a nuts story.
1: Yeah. Great. And then I want to thank JP, as always, for the amazing Photoshop work that you do. Now, I requested to see Xander wearing a mustache, and you not only gave one, but you gave four. <laughs> and that, as the spirit of giving, is throwing a mustache onto Xander. So thank you so much for that. That's you the most that's accurate it? review of JP, is yes for one, and he gave you four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's also a one more review of Galadriel.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: now uh, Gimli asked for one
0: strand of golden hair, she gave me three. <laughs> Which is one less than JP gives. Yes. So, mm-hmm. just going to say. Yeah. But JP, you
1: can keep your hair. That's between you and your barber.
0: Oh, yeah. Glad you all had a, she has a business. Yeah. She has a hair business.
1: Mm-hmm. Where she enlightens dwarves by plucking
0: hair from her head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what the overhead is, but... Not really sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, if you have homework assignments you want to send to us and have us read, send them to us at SSG Podcast, hashtag SSG Homework. We will be reading them and we will be on the homework train. All right, that's all for us. We'll talk to you next week.